Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you might recognize, I'm, I may stand out a little bit because I'm the only one with gray hair up here. So just, uh, you might appreciate that. Um, my name is Ron Henry. I've, I've been, um, my wife and I arrived here in Franklin. It'll be five years in September. And I, I, I had just gotten to know one person. Uh, we arrived here from Southern California in Orange County. And, and uh, this one person said, you know, if you're not doing anything, come here Thursday morning. And uh, my good friend Les, uh, who's, as I say, if, if you don't know Les Stofus, you don't know anybody in uh, Franklin, but that's okay. But Les invited me here, and, and it was just a wonderful, welcoming fellowship. And so I've been a regular here for that number of years. And, and one of the things I, that we have a heart for is, you know, is just um, the idea that what is happening? You know, question always, uh, people used to say, say to us, oh, another California couple, okay, I think we need to build a wall on the west side of Tennessee to keep you guys out of here, you know? You know, what's happening here? We got, you know, you got, you know, all those weird people out there in California that are, you know, are they gonna infiltrate and, and uh, totally mess up our, our community here? And then, then I, then I, but in terms of my own personal story, it, it was, I had never intended, it was never in the plan, nothing against it, because I used to, I used to have a season in the, in the music industry, in the business side, so I'd come here back in the 70s, uh, when you couldn't go to downtown Lower Broadway after 10 o'clock. But the idea was, it didn't make sense to me to come here, but this thing called obedience uh, got in the way. And, uh, and when I argued with God about it, you know who won. Uh, we showed up here and, and of course we loved it. And you know, with anything with obedience, we all know that when you respond to obedience, God honors that. And that, that's the journey. But I remember uh, going, uh, as we were checking out, like anything, we come here, we start checking out churches and we went to one large ch growing church and the, and the pastor said one Sunday morning, he said, I've talked to hundreds of people who come here from out of the area and I asked them, why are you here? And he said, four out of every five people said, God was the answer. So something's happening and something's going here. So my, my work that I do, I work in helping out uh, companies with uh, care with chaplains and everything, but I work with a lot with people. That's been my whole career. But one of the things that's given me great joy at this season of life is meeting the next generation of leaders and seeing how God is using them in some miraculous ways. And this morning, what I want to do is introduce you to three young men and that um, all have roots. They came via California. And, uh, and get, to give us a sense of, of purpose and, and focus and hope, because let's face it, 80% um, of the people in this room, uh, you know, we're in that sage season of life. And I don't know about you, but when I meet a young entrepreneur and they're passionate for, for Jesus, nothing gets me more excited because that, that's my hope. And so that this morning, I, I hope you'll be blessed when you hear their stories, um, you'll hear their passions. You know, they got that energy that can that'll last four or five more hours a day than we have. We may start the day strong, but they can still finish it strong. So, so with that in mind, I'd like to... Um, you know, maybe to first start out, we'll just introduce the, the, each one of them, have them each introduce themselves. Um, they, they all represent three different vocational, you know, areas of which they're working here. But 
just let's just get to know him. Uh, on my far right is Colby Gilmore. And so, Colby, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. Well, I'm, I'm curious, Ron. You mentioned Lower Broadway. Uh, are you going there after 10 o'clock lately? Pardon? Are you going to Broadway after 10 nowadays? No, I have to be home in bed by okay. 10. <laughs> I was just curious. You phrased that differently. Uh, anyways, I'm Colby Gilmore. Um, my wife, Christine, and I moved uh, out to Fairview about a year and uh, three months ago. Spent the last 10 years of our life in Southern California post <coughs> Biola University and lived in Laguna Beach for a while, but uh, God directed us out here. Uh, we've just loved it, and somehow I found this guy named Ron, and he keeps inviting me to places, so I keep showing up. Uh, um, anyways, we've enjoyed our time here. Loved connecting here at the NCS community, and... Um, uh, funny because I never really thought about moving to Tennessee either. Nothing against it. It's one of those things where <laughs> I grew up in Oregon, spent a lot of time in California and thought, um, I'm never moving anything east of the Sierras, nothing east of, of the Cascades, uh, but uh, fell in love with the people here and somehow God drew us here, which I'll, I'll tell a little bit more going forward. Well, and, and Colby, you didn't share, it's public knowledge, the fact that Colby and Christine are expecting their first child. Yeah. Oh, that's on camera now, huh? So no one at Ron Blue knows that if you're a Ron Blue client oh, or like oh, there, okay. you guys keep that a secret. Uh, All right. But <laughs> yes, we are uh, ten weeks in, so yeah, exciting time for them. Joshua, uh, name's Joshua Tomasek. Uh, been married eight years. My wife Heather. We're from Orange County, California, and we, we're the new guys on the block. Uh, we just moved here three months ago. So I spent my last 20-plus years in California, did uh, six years down at Camp Pendleton with the Marine Corps, 14 years with uh, fire department with Fullerton Fire Department. And, uh, yeah, God changed our life drastically. My goal was I had 10 more years ago to retire, and God put a calling on our heart, and Next thing you know, we're here in Columbia, and I'll get into that story, but he made it quite obvious and quite clear. This place, uh, Columbia, where we live, was nowhere on our radar. We didn't even know that town, and we're just watching God's blessing uh, just as we've come here. It's been insane, and we have our first boy on the way, uh, July 22nd, so it's been a radical move, and we're excited to see what God has in store. Yeah, notice how the population keeps increasing now here as they manufacture the kids. It's not them moving here. They come here and then make kids here. So, Okay, Zach? I am Zach Norman. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I spent the last three years in Los Angeles, California. My wife and I and our three children now, uh, we moved here in August. Um, and yeah, uh, my wife, Katie, she's full-time at home. She's homeschooling our oldest, Kingston, who is six. Um, and then our daughter, Gwen, is three. And our youngest daughter, Dior, is nine months. Um, and yeah, we've been here since uh, August. Um, I've done music vocationally uh, since 2013, so the last however many years that is. And um, and yeah, in the most recent five years, been producing music. Um, and so at the time, I was still focusing on that heavily for other artists. Um, and we wanted to grow our family, and so we thought of Middle Tennessee. As you can see, we, and, and as Kobe will explain a little bit more, we got a financial advisor, we got a, a motorsports person, and we got an entertainment. I mean, 
uh, Zach was also been a worship leader in other areas. So, would let what a little bit in you know, as your story, we you know all of you know that you, as you've just shared that obviously this wasn't in the game plan right. where you're being here. But go a little bit about I, I really would like to take each of you take some time in terms of what's what's your passion today? What is this thing you're engaged in? of which God has invited you to be part of here in Middle Tennessee. So Colby, why don't you start out a little bit on that? It's just, you know, the thing that gets you up in the morning, you know, that thing you get focused on, it, and it, as much as I like to say it's the Puckett's breakfast here this morning, but I think it's maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, it's the humidity, that's what gets me up every day. <laughs> <laughs> and puts me to sleep uh, when I pass out. Uh, no, <laughs> my passion started, I, I spent my whole life with a, a, a family of entrepreneurs and, and business owners, so I always knew, well one, don't join the family business, but uh, two was there's a lot of risk to it and I wanted to take things and make them better. So I fell in love with accounting, how to build stuff, and uh, while at Biola University, which if you're not familiar, that's uh, you know the, the top school for Christian thought and biblical education. Uh, you can send your grand, grandchildren there, your children there. Uh, they'll send me a commissions check. Um, but while I was there, I took a class once I was married called Faith and Money. And a, a professor named uh, Dr. Rick B. just showed me what the Bible said about money and possessions. And just so much wealth, <laughs> uh, no pun intended there. And I thought, that, you know, I grew up in the church my whole life. I, t I went on, I did everything, my dad was an elder. How did I never know the Bible said so much about money, especially me being an accountant type, right? My favorite book of the Bible is Numbers. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that really clicked something for me. I, I started to go, you know what? I can infuse my faith in finances. And I just fell in love and I thought, how do I, I, I wanna tell everyone about this. Can I get paid to do this? And that's how God eventually directed my steps to Ron Blue. But it was more just about, there's something so freeing to understand God owns it all and that you can apply these principles because they are so freeing and you can live generously. So being early on as a married couple, we tried to make money a non-issue by applying that and uh, God eventually allowed me to get paid to do that. Um, but that's what wakes me up every morning to say, hey, can we actually change people from just trying to survive to thriving because they understand it's not all mine, it's someone else's and I can live differently because I can't take it with me when I go anyways, but I can send it on ahead. What, what, uh, what age group have you found affinity that you're sort of attracted to in terms of this teaching or any, in that area? Yeah, so it's a lot easier when you work with, with younger people, right? Because we haven't, made, we haven't fallen into our own uh, uh, maybe wrong convictions um, and kind of leading you in the way to go so you understand it early on. But uh, honestly, it's kind of funny. It's working with a lot of my parents' generation, um, those that are in that middle frame of receiving wealth or starting to make wealth. And being able to really challenge them of, you know, where are we at now and what is purposeful? Because um, I think everyone kind of gets to that point if it's a quarter life or a midlife of, you know, what is success? What is prosperity? Um, so that's, that's where I've invested uh, a lot of it. But it's kind of been fun to see a lot of young entrepreneurs out there that are starting to make a lot of wealth and going, how do I live authentically in my faith and do this differently? Uh, which is fun to see. You know, I know millennials get a bad rap, but I think millennial evangelicals really want to apply that and live differently. Uh, I know that's interesting because Ron Blue, as an organization, uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with it, you know, Larry Bruquette was, and Ron Blue uh, started this many, many years ago, but the idea of this financial stewardship and life stewardship, but I know that Ron Blue's uh, current CEO is very big in the music, he's a very big sport of songwriters. 
uh, Christian songwriters, and many of them, some of them performed here, but what's, what's your sort of affinity, because you mentioned, I know you mentioned to me yeah. a little bit, do you feel a little bit of akin to saying that there's, there's a lot of these young creative people? Yeah, so, I mean, you can't really move to Nashville and not enjoy music, but um, just through friendships, um, we've had a lot of musician friends, and it's funny because the creatives don't want to talk about money, which is a good thing. You guys keep making good music, we'll enjoy that. We'll handle the finances. So one of our draws and God, God direction was, hey, God, if you bring us here, how can we work with songwriters and people that so that they don't have to make worry about the finances? And, and a lot of that's you know, people are just getting by. Uh, so that's what's directed us out here and being able to work with a lot of, of anyone from songwriters to entertainers of how do we steward our influence and also steward our finances there. Um, so that's where, what's driven us here uh, to help those in that situation. Yeah, great, great. Joshua, my man, this is a man who doesn't lack for passion. Now, I have to explain it is radical. So go ahead, break this down a little bit about how, how you all of a sudden walked away after 13 years, was it? 14. 14, 14 years, years in a stable fireman role in Orange County. All right, full benefits, six more years to go, set for life. You know, what happened? Well, you were talking about what is that thing that wakes us up. Uh, my passion is walking alongside people when they hit those road bumps where they have the fear, they don't know how to get past what that one little obstacle is in the you know, steps of 100 and just helping them get over that one step. Uh, and that's just being in that encouraging role. And part of that, my story is I grew up the at-risk youth, the abusive mom, drunken stepdad. I should have been in a foster care system with some of the stuff that happened as a kid, but God planted people in my life that they just walked side by side with me and it changed my whole life. It got me to where I'm at today uh, in a healthy, stable relationship, everything. And uh, that's what we do in the shop. And that's where over the past 20 years, Looking back, uh, my wife and I, we also served the last 10 years helping out foster youth and being in that environment. But God just really showed me the imagery of anytime I was side by side with a man. When we're looking eye to eye, everything says, hey, I'm good. But when you get side by side, you're working on a project, changing a tire on the side of a freeway, whatever it is, all of a sudden stories come out. The wall comes down and you actually start talking about vulnerable stuff and seeing that and... Uh, that's where God really, over the last couple years, really started uh, putting on my heart is, how are we leveraging the abilities, the passions, the desires we have? They're all good. He created them in us uniquely and using those to position ourselves so we can impact those that are in our community, those that God has put in our arena. And that's what spawned the whole, you know, people go, you're running a hot rod shop. Yes, we are, because these kids walk by and they see it and their eyes light up. And it's the only thing in today's uh, culture that they'll get out of their little social media world and come in and actually get side by side. So explain a little bit more about J2J Motorsports, a little bit the platform, the ministry platform that you that God has directed you to start. You started it in California. Yes, sir. All right. And then all of a sudden he said, pick it all up put it in some trucks and move it to Columbia. So yeah, so that that's where uh, last summer God, uh, he had fun. Uh, he sent me up to Oregon for a month uh, on the wildland fires up there. And we've already been running this program for about two and a half years. And I'll tell you, my heart was back at home. These guys are texting me, calling me, hey, when's the shop gonna be open? When are you gonna be back? And the job that I love more than anything, um, 
man, it was like my, I didn't want to be up there in Oregon. I wanted to be back in the shop, turning a wrench with these young guys, just having fun with them. And I got back from there, and my wife and I, we started talking, and we asked God, uh, that's where I encourage men, is uh, ask God questions. We don't always need to know the answer, but we threw it out there going, if I wasn't doing a firefighter job, what would life look like? And that's an open-ended question, and for two months straight, that's where Columbia, Tennessee, every conversation, random person, you name it, all of a sudden Columbia, Tennessee started popping up in all these conversations, and my wife and I just sat back and got the chills going, something's happening, because, and we looked into it. Two months later, I flew out here, drove from Franklin all the way through Columbia, scouting out the land, and as soon as I got to Columbia, I just had this peace that came over me. And I started seeing a community that God started opening up and just answering the what-ifs. And got back home and looked at Heather and went, I think we're moving to Columbia. <laughs> and it was all these things. And just every time we'd ask God a question, okay, uh, well, when are we supposed to move? After the kid comes, after this? Well, no joke, we asked that question. The next day, got an email from the shop that we're renting. And we're uh, the guy, we're a month to month, and he goes, hey, I need you out at the end of the month, or we're going to double the rent. I need you to sign a three-year lease. And Heather just went, okay, I think we're supposed to move sooner than later. <laughs> so that started this whole transition and just, I, I won't lie, it was hard giving up the fire career. There's tears involved. People thought I was crazy, but being here three months, it has been such a blessing and just sitting where God is calling us. And I have no idea what the future is going to look like. All I know is I'm sitting where God wants me to be right now, and it's scary and exciting, but I know God has every ounce of it. I mean, if you think about it, Joshua, the fact that here you have, in, in, from the, the world's eyes of success and stability and all that, here you have a fireman's role, full benefits, a pregnant wife, and you walk away from all those benefits out of obedience and go to an area where you don't know anybody and you have a mind and a mission for a, a, to really reach out to that. I mean, just to clarify a little bit, his, the focus of Joshua's uh, platform is really to, at those, those kids who age out of the foster care system. You know, we all know the statistics of that, these young men who age out. I mean, the statistics that they don't engage in a, some type of a relationship or work 70% of them will end up in, in, in jail or something like that. It's, it's horrific numbers. So this idea of J2J Motorsports is where he has the opportunity to bring these people in, give them a job type of thing, work on cars, but really life-on-life -life discipleship and give them that chance and that passion. And, and as I say, um, and this vision of what it is. Now, of course, what he's not saying is he had all this equipment in California that needed to get here. And there was no big donor that said, here, we'll ship it all up in the movers. The, other than the donor saying, here's a van, you can use it. So how many trips did you make? Move uh, on. Five trips cross country. Five trips. <laughs> that, hey. and, and, and the last, this is all in the last few months. And uh, so. It's funny how it works out. The first time out took me three days. I got over that drive pretty quick, so. By the end of it, I was m making these runs in 40 hours, just going, get this over as quick as I can. Yeah, how many oh cups of coffee God. was that? <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> right. So, I mean, he can, any, if you want to know any stops along the way between California and here, he can tell you which ones not to go to and which yep. ones to, to go to. But, uh, but Blessing, he's a smart man. He's, he just came back, what, yesterday? Uh, Tuesday at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, Tuesday at 1 a.m. in the morning. He made his, came back, was final, unloaded yesterday. And then he's doing the good thing, guys. He's taking his wife away for a little Airbnb for three days. It'll be the last time that the two of them will be physically together because the next time there'll be three. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good good man on that. But I mean, but a little bit experientially, you know, you, you, you glossed over it, but the affinity of, even though you yourself were in, was not literally in the foster care system, but break down a little bit about the, the, the challenges you had even growing up in that area that, that gave you that just sense of touch, because I think, to me, I've observed many times our passion involves things that we were experienced or exposed to in our life that we want to come back and make a difference. So, so uh, yeah, I'd say probably the two biggest things I had growing up was um, fear of rejection. I had a mom that called me an idiot every day. You're worthless. You're nothing. My self-esteem was already down. Uh, fear of failure because if I couldn't do it right, then why even try at all? Because once again, I'm back to that same step of I'm worthless, I'm nothing, what's the point of it? Uh, man from my church, Ray Armstrong, that's the guy that he set the catalyst. He laid the example for what I'm doing now in this arena. Um, all he did is he invited us over. He let my brother and I, he gave us a safe place that we got to get away from the abuse that we were in and we just got to be boys. Uh, he was always working on a car and I go back and one of my best memories as a kid is Ray putting a MIG welder in my hand, working on a go-kart. He was like Tim Allen. He got this piece of junk, busted motor, and he got a 13-horsepower engine off of one of his air compressors and said, let's put this on there. So we extended the frame. He extended the frame, but he put a MIG welder in my hand. It just went, you just melted metal with fire. And as a young boy, man, that just sparked something in my heart. Uh, he was only in my life for six weekends before my mom took him out goes into, uh, yeah, the type of relationship I had with uh, her and anything good, if she couldn't do it, she knew she couldn't do it, we just couldn't have anything at all. So reconnected with him years later, but I look back on, I watch every drug known to man, two of the guys I went to school with started a white supremacy gang. I remember them calling me going, man, we got the suspenders, steel toe boots, let's go do this. And it was like, Part of me wanted to sabotage my life because I was in so much pain that I wanted my mom to feel it. What Ray did for me is thinking back on, if Ray ever looked at me the way my mom looked at me, it would have killed me more than how I was already living. And I walked away from all that stuff, never got involved, never did any of it. And that's just from Ray, six weekends, spending time with us, building that relationship, encouraging us and believing in us. He gave me value that I never got anywhere else. And I look back on, how do you know the love of our Father in heaven until you know the love of a father here? And Ray was that father figure to me that he's the one that helped carry me through all these years. I still made a lot of mistakes and traveled that water roughly, but he brought that healing. He brought that something that no one could ever take away. And that's where I come in going, you know, bringing men into that arena going, how can we give the blessing to another young man like someone gave to us? even though we're not their physical father, but taking responsibility and stepping into that arena. And that's where my heart passion is, is encouraging men to 
You never know. It could be the kid down the block from you that you just see walking. Just say hi. Find out what's up with them. You know, and you never know how that can impact a young man's life because it changed mine forever. Now we're going to do a little bit of change here. Um, I'm going to ask Zach to explain a little bit about his passion. Um, Zach, uh, being a very creative person, you know, had roles as a worship leader, a songwriter. But Zach is really into an area that um, I'm going to ask him to slow down a little bit and define some terms because he's tried to explain some of the areas he's involved in to me uh, three times and I still haven't grasped it yet because it has to do with the current area of technology. But how he's going to turn that into a kingdom influence and impact. But go ahead, Zach, share a little bit about your passion and how this is all interwound and so forth in your journey. Yeah, so this journey... um, of NFTs for me intersected my life in 2021, right? So as I had mentioned previously, um, you know, the last five years had spent a lot of time like producing music for other people. I started doing that because I was like, hey, I can't pay for producers. I'm going to become a producer. I'm going to produce my own stuff as an artist. And then I focus on that. Um, then in in doing that, I had a visual artist friend. When I was out in Los Angeles, um, I, uh, you know, I would contact people regularly, be like, "Hey, if you ever need, you know, beats, you know, composition, I'll send you folders, whatever." And um, so I, I made friends with uh, my, my now friend. His name's Daniel Allen Cohen. We were at a chiropractor, um, and he just saw me like playing with my kids and he came over and talked to me. And so Daniel's a visual artist. We just connected, had a few conversations and then, um, and then we got in touch through social media, followed each other. I saw his visual artwork um, and, uh, and, I, and I saw that you know, he might need some, some m- music for his project. So that was, um, that was my foot into the NFT world, and I'll tell you what that is. But I just want to give you this backstory. So, with um, you know, I started like I did music for his commercials. Then he's like, "Hey, I want you on this NFT project." I'm like, "What are NFTs?" Um, told me what it was, and uh, and then I, I composed the music for those. And so, NFTs are non fungible tokens. So, really, it's digital. It's a digital token, or it's a digital art. So it operates as some sort of like, you can have an NFT, it's a digital VIP pass. Um, or it's like a digital art piece. You know, people that are like fine artists, like people that sell art pieces at art galleries for tens of thousands of dollars, they're in this space. And so much so that during the whole pandemic, all the art galleries and the, the billions that they would gross in revenue, they ch- all of their revenue shifted during the pandemic out of galleries into this NFT space. There's lots of, a lot of different creators, but non-fungible tokens, they're digital assets. It can be an MP4. It can be, uh, you know, like a, a video. It can be a photo. It can be something as silly as a JPEG, which is what a lot of people have heard about NFTs, just these silly cartoons. But really, it is the... It is, it's the future of, 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 of uh, digital media art assets. Um, and it's a really cool uh, space that I've been able to walk into as a musician. 
But what is, you know, <clears throat> this concept of, uh, you mentioned, uh, maybe define a little bit this uh, Web3. Uh, Web3, I mean, you've been talking with an international company about doing some Web3 product marketing. What is, I mean, how many people in the room have, know what Web3 or has even heard the term Web 3.0? All right. And it's interesting, two of the three people who raised their hand were under the age of 35, and, and we have one person. I mean, you're, golly gee, you're, you're, you're so clued in there, good. But the point is, at, I mean, I heard this, I mean, heck, I'm still struggling what Web 1.0 is, you know? And, but help us a little bit. I mean, the, the fact is, this is the generation that's what's going on. And what he's doing in the Web 3.0, and, and this, this whole thing is a global, sort of give a, Help a layman try again. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm batting 0 for 3. He's tried to explain to me three times. I still haven't. I'm fighting it. But share with these gentlemen a little bit because this is obviously a terminology that everyone in this room is going to be hearing more about. And it's very confusing. At least it is for me, my generation. You know, you know how, what does this all mean? And we're going to hear our grandkids or our own children talking about this. This is part of it. what is. And you're going to hear it and how things are marketed. I mean, the fact that you can market something digitally and sell it and actually have a revenue, significant revenue source is beyond my mind. In other words, you, you're, not, you, you're not having to give up physically the piece. It's a digital piece and, just, and so forth. But maybe help us on this. At least we, can, we leave today, we can all know what Web 3.0 is or something. Okay. So... You know, what I was just mentioning with non-fungible tokens, these NFTs, is that they exist in this whole Web3 space. And really, to explain Web3, like, I am, I'm on the end of the creator side of things, not the blockchain technology and all of the tech and the AI and all of that stuff that's involved, right? Um, so, but from a broad perspective, this whole, you know, new era of the web, web three, let's, let's like define, you know, in very simple terms, web one and web two. It's like, okay, web one was like the invention of the internet, pretty easy. Web two is like the emergence of like social media and apps, you know, uh, corporations like Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, right? So that's characterized how we interact with the internet, internet in a way that, you know, we didn't prior. Right, so now Web three is um, Web three. It is there's it's decentralized like everything. So you have like decentralized web, you have decentralized um, finance, you have media, whatever. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, you know you're you're using things like a new version of Instagram, but just the way that the whole like creator economy operates is different because through this whole emergence of Web3 and the technology they're using, which is called blockchain technology, um, it's, it's really democratizing the whole like user and creator experience in the sense that, you know, what this affords for creators, for example, is that instead of like all of these big names having a lot of, uh, a lot of the equity, a lot of the control, a lot of the whatever, um, it's a great opportunity for creators to 
um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, you're taking the idea of, um, of, we're all familiar with Instagram and Facebook, right? So you're taking the idea of, say you're a content creator for Instagram, but then, are you, is anyone familiar with Patreon? Patreon at all? It's kind of like a membership Kickstarter instead of like, hey, we, you know, we're trying to raise $10,000. It's like, hey, you're subscribing to me uh, as a creator and you get special, a special membership, exclusive content, et cetera. So they're using kind of the integration of it instead of like, hey, free everything, Instagram, you know, gets all the everything. Creators get to integrate a platform like Instagram, for example, and use the model of Patreon, you know? So you, you can actually create things, give ownership, not just a membership that's like, you know, uh, gone once someone gets off of it, but you're actually through these NFTs, for example, through any form of media asset, anything that's digital, people are actually buying ownership. They're buying, say, a VIP pass. That's what an NFT might be for someone. A VIP pass to this artist. Um, even with a, a trading card, NFT community, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going into all spaces. Um, but that's, that's kind of a, um, that's a, a broad perspective of what Web3 looks like, you know, Web1, Web2, Web3, um, how NFTs operate in that space. Um, and uh, I think that's, yeah. yeah. I know, if, well, I'm, I'm not making an assumption for all of you, but if you're someone in my situation, it, it's not so much us totally understanding this next phase, but the decentralization of what this is going to provide for the creative arts is going to be a huge change maker. And since so many, so many of us in this room, God has given us the opportunity to really come alongside a younger generation and be, you know, we, we say mentor, uh, walk with them, be an encourager, you know, take leverage our personal experiences to help them. So the terminology is something, and the language is something we need to be aware of. I don't think we need to understand it, at least I'm not thinking that, but I'll let the young person understands it. But I wanna be an encourager because this is a direction. I don't wanna be a, a block in their life. You know, like that old thing, well, I don't understand it, so it's probably not good. No, the point is this generation, you know, is what it's all about. So in this situation, that's why I, I felt led this morning wanting to encourage Zach to touch base with it, and but you're going to find, as anyone probably under the age of 35 is going to be very much in this world, or already is in this world, so to be attuned to it. But the beauty is we have a man who loves Jesus who's in the middle of this. So it, does, it can be used for good. It can be used for really advancing the kingdom. But what I was, uh, thought it would be kind of interesting there is that and just sort of getting back to on a more pers personal basis here, as we wind down, uh, wind down our time, is Colby, why are you? Why do you come to NCS? Why are you showing up early in the morning like this? Other than the fact that Christine kicks you out of the house, but the, the humidity does. You, Ron, it's it's all because of you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why else do I get up? How many more breakfasts do I have to buy? To <laughs> That's why I come to yeah. here, that's why I come to FCCI, that's why I come to Kingdom <laughs> at Work, 
That's why I come to, what's the other ones we do? Living Scent Ministry. Uh, now, the reason I come up here is, is um, it's cool when, when life's in transition. I was, you know, there's a joke, when life's in transition, money's in movement. But all the things in your life are in movement. It's kind of like you go to college, right? You're the, it's, everything's new. Uh, you can kind of redefine yourself. And being here in Tennessee, it's been amazing just to see the kingdom opportunities. I had the opportunity of being a part of the Barnabas group out in California, if you're familiar. And what I loved about it was, I love networking, but it's cool to be in a unique environment of people with similar worldviews, where we all have the same core values, maybe different convictions underlying those, but we have the same core values of believers. And so many different skills and knowledge and stories, and that's where you get to have these amazing mentorships and conversations, even if it's just how you've gotten out of a ticket or gotten a ticket going through Oklahoma or, or, or where was that? New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. So that's what I love coming to here is to learn those stories, to share them, being Timothy's and Paul's, um, that we get to be here and share those. And that's what I encourage, right? A real legacy isn't necessarily the stories we tell, but it's the stories that we tell about others. Um, and those stories that live after us, uh, the ones we tell behind Ron's back, uh, but also the ones that we get to share when, when we get promoted uh, into paradise. Um, so that's why I show up every time, because I always leave refreshed, my soul's fed, and a new relationship that I get to continue. Um, and when you think about it, right, what we're doing here is just practice for what we'll do for all of eternity. Maybe Puckett's is serving there too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Josh? The same question. What, what may, I mean, obviously, we had a little enticement. You're coming up from Columbia, and of course, your regular attendance may change when the baby's born, but we understand that. But what, what, is, what attracts you about this, this group of men? Well, I was going to say, Ron first uh, invited me, and he promised me a big plate full of bacon. So he got my attention. But uh, yeah, for me, it's I'm being depleted. I know I'm running. Uh, and the best thing I can do for myself is surrounding myself with godly men I think uh, like like uh, he was talking and uh, yeah that's pretty much it it's to me this becomes my safe place where I get to have a smile you know have a crack a joke but just relationship getting to know people sharing our stories and through that God gets to speak in the center of it every one of these conversations I've been at so far we have fun. We're talking about the tickets, but God always comes up. He's in the center of everything, and that's so refreshing to be part of that, and that's the drive for me to keep coming back to these events, just being in a community of men, you know, Good. being filled up every time. Good. Yeah. Zach, anything you want to add on that? The question is, why do we move here? What, yeah, why, 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 are you, why do you attend NCS? Why come yeah. to this group of uh, misfits guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been refreshing for me, like just being new, you know, and wanting to get connected to, um, you know, obviously believers, but, you know, believing men. And um, it's been great to have some some friends, you know, some peers around me, as well as some amazing friends that are mentors, you know. Um, and being here has also like brought me into the FCCI group with actually all of these guys. By, by the way, FCCI is, is uh, Fellowship of Companies for Christ International. Uh, it's a global ministry serving Christian business owners. It was started by Larry Burkett and a group of Atlanta business owners. They meet in a group of peers. So just that, that, that clarify what that is. Right. So, you know, it's it's been awesome being a part of this 
um, and it being a regular thing in, in my rhythm uh, spiritually and having this sense of like, you know, community as well as, as it feels like a worship gathering. You know, you have people up here that are talking about God or, or performing and um, it's just really cool to get a broader perspective of, you know, what we're a part of, you know, uh, through this, this gathering of men and uh, the prayer aspect and um, just getting connected to, I think what's been so amazing about moving here is getting connected to so many more um, networks, you know, through the church and through, you know, uh, gatherings like this, really coming to, um, you know, uh, this area as well, I really feel like has been, God really led us here, not to do all the things that we're doing, but to really go through a process of formation, and this is, has been a big catalyst in that. Well, thank you. I know our time is winding down, but I'd like to just, as on behalf of, of, of NCS and everything, to ask everyone here to really take a moment to reflect um, and, and just on what these young men's hearts are all about. They would, wel they would welcome the opportunity to engage with you. They'd welcome the opportunity to share what, you know, what their story and journey are. If there's an affinity that you have to any one of them or, or your background in your history has things to do. If you're into cars, obviously, you probably want to talk to Josiah because he's, this is not something he's going to do by himself. And if you're into the creative side and want to learn more about it, I'm sure Zach would, would relish the opportunity to do one-on-one, -on -one, or if you have just questions about it. So feel free to, to reach out to them. Their hearts are here to serve. Uh, their journey and maturity is one that that's, they know that's what it's all about. It's not them, it's God that's at the center of it. So if you would be all be so kind just to join me, I'd like to just pray over these three young men as we close out. Father God, we just... Uh, it's so encouraging for all of us here to see how your hand is working through the younger generation in some profound ways, basically many times, Father, in ways that we, us of the sage generation have a hard time even comprehending, but our trust is in you, Father, that you have plans. The plan is already preordained and you're just working it out and inviting these young men to be a part of it. And may that, Father, just continue to brighten their light in this community. May they be an encouragement for those who are struggling. May they be, they provide resources for those people who are lost or caught up in things that are so worldly that it's taking them down the wrong paths. So Father, may we all of us in this room understand that we're part of the, your body of Christ and that you gave each and every one of us, Father, a distinct call and duty and, and, and an invitation to help. So may we act as one as we leave this morning and just put a light of protection, especially you know, over the families. We've got young families, babies coming on the way, young children, and just give them the, the strength and protection over their families to raise them in a godly manner. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.